When the market slows, every customer and order counts. And the path to more orders starts with increasing your customer base. This week, we've got renowned title sales coach, Daryl Turner, giving you insanely helpful tips on growing your customer base. I'm Lindsay Gordon, and this is Title Talks. comes from a webinar we held earlier this summer, and it was led by PropLogic's business development manager, Pete Bram. There's a handful of times you'll hear Daryl referencing me, and I assure you it's all in good fun. Now, let's get to that talk. Good afternoon, everybody. It's such a pleasure to be here with Daryl Turner today. Just a little bit of my background. I worked for one of the big national underwriters as an agency rep, and I met Daryl back in the early 2000s. My state manager at the time was wise enough to uh, enable us to utilize Daryl's expertise and experience and, and coaching skills to help our clients, our corporate title agencies, as well as our real estate law firms, to really look at how they were building their business and what they needed to focus on. So fast forward to 2022, our paths cross again, and Daryl has worked with PropLogix uh, in the past. So we set this up because everybody knows the market is going through a little recalibration. So why do we need some coaching? Well, for that very reason. So I'm gonna let Daryl introduce himself and, and talk about what his real tremendous expertise is, and then we'll get into the questions. Over to you, right. Daryl. Well, thank you, Pete. And I'm the Daryl they talk about and the Lindsay made fun of in the beginning and, and that Pete and I worked together. I thought it was in the 90s, Pete, when we were in high school. That's what I was thinking. It was way back in the 90s. Actually, you were in high school in the 90s. I was out. But um, I'm excited to be here today. Thanks for the, uh, the cordial introduction. Uh, many of you uh, may know uh, who I am or a little bit about me, but I'll just share with you. I, I started an organization in 1994 specifically designed to help title companies improve their business development efforts. Back then, they called it marketing, right? But the reality is it's sales. Marketing gets people to know you. Sales gets people to do business with you. So we focus on sales. Marketing is a lubricant to that sales process. And over the years, uh, Pete, we've had the opportunity to work with uh, just shy of 1,200 title companies uh, around the nation. Yes, uh, we've coached a little over 11,000 people. 6,600 of them have been salespeople. Uh, the rest have been owners, uh, managers, closers. We coach a lot of closers, all on how to build their book of business and expand uh, their reach from behind their desk. Salespeople, of course, used to be on the outside, now they're on the inside. So that's really our specialty. Uh, and I'm excited, Pete, to, to share some, some things with the audience today that are gonna be very, very timely based on what everybody is going through. So I say, you just hop right into the questions, man. Let's, let's feed the pipeline for these folks. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I'm out in the field calling on corporate title agencies and real estate law firms every week. And as the market has recalibrated, people talk about their order counts being down. So let me ask you a question, Darrell. Why is it more important to focus on your customer base versus your order counts? Ah, I love that question. I love that question. It's uh, order count is what people look at, right? But there are basically in, in our business, there are leading indicators and then there are trailing or what we might call lagging indicators. And, and the amount of business that an agency has today, Pete, is a result of only two things. 
Number one, the market that we're sitting in. Number two, the number of customers they have. And you might kind of flip that and put it in perspective. Your volume is a result of the number of active customers that you have in this market condition. And since we can't change the market condition, the only thing we can really focus on is the size of our customer base. And look at, look at it this way. You know, a lot of people focus heavily on retention, customer retention in the title business. And don't get me wrong, it's critically important. If you go out and generate two new customers and lose two existing customers out the back door, you've done nothing but made, make a bunch of noise, right? So look, look, at it, look at it this way. If your business is ever down, like right now, you're watching this, this webinar right now, your, your orders may be down, your business may be down. You have to really look at it like, if your business or when your business is down, it's strictly because your customer's business is down. And if you were to keep 100% of all your customers and keep them all happy, totally happy, not losing any of them and they're all happy, at the end of the day, your business would still be down, okay? Because their business is down. So, so the answer really is not to focus on or panic uh, or overemphasize the the uh, quantity of orders that someone has today. What really needs to happen is you really need to look at how many customers that you have today. And I think, so focusing on growing your active customer base is number one, because that's a leading indicator. If you can get more customers, then you know you're doing some things right. But revenue and order count, lagging indicators result of the market and the number of customers that you have so hopefully that answers a question for the group today uh, everybody's looking at orders i get it they're they're down in most cases uh across the board um but that's not the focal point focal point is how many customers do you have and and how, how do you add additional customers to your roster that's that's going to be the saving grace for for the agencies that are watching today pete well, I appreciate that. And, and you taught me something years ago, and that was this. You can be the best closing agent in your territory. You can have 100% loyalty from your realtor clients, from your lender clients, but you can still lose business. Please unpack that just a little bit. Well, you're going you're gonna to lose business. Uh, you can do everything perfectly, and you're going to have some of your customers move out of the area. Uh, you're going to have some of your customers get out of the business. You know, there's going to be real estate professionals. For those of you that deal, you know, on the real estate agent side of the business, there's going to be real estate agents that, that get out of the business. You know, everybody wanted to get in the business, Pete, when when manna was falling from heaven, right? And and and, and now that we have to now that we have to hunt, uh, there's going to be a lot of agents that are going to step out that did business last year, that maybe they didn't do as much as top producers, but there's going to be there's going to be a, a stream of people leaving uh, the industry over the next 18 to 24 months that maybe people are not thinking about. So you lose you lose business because uh, you lose customers because they move out of the area, they get out of the business. Um, you know, heaven forbid, some are going to pass away. These things happen, right? So in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a statistic that I think that you probably remember, but it, within the title industry, you know, our evidence from all our research shows that the attrition rate, the customer attrition rate in a normal year, in a normal year, which is gonna be a little higher in the next 18 to 24 months, but it ranges between 10 and 15%. What that means is, is that for every 100 customers that a, that a title company has, a year from now, 10 to 15 of them would be gone, okay? And now again, I think it's gonna be a little bit higher than that over the next 18 to 24 months, because I think we're gonna have agents in the business 
that uh, they're not going to want to work that heartbeat. This is a different market. The opportunities are there. They didn't get in this to to work. They got in this to harvest, right? And I think we're gonna I think we're gonna lose uh, some of that. So I just you know it's between ten and fifteen normally. I just I just use twelve and a half, and I yeah. just say twelve and a half percent of your customer base is going to exit in a year. So you have to be at least replacing that customer base just to maintain the same size customer base. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That was a great explanation of how that attrition can work against you when you're doing everything right. So to piggyback on that, how do I identify my customer base and what would be a good target to aim at to grow that customer base? Well, I think, um, and this might, I might be getting a little ahead of myself with the answer I'm about to, about to give you on this question, but when when a company sets goals, let's let's just talk about goals for a minute. And again, I, I might be just a little bit out of order, but I think it's really relevant to to your question because this is a question right here that's on the screen that most people never ask themselves. I mean, you could you could ask a hundred agency owners right now how many active customers they have, and I, I should be real careful how I say this. I don't think any of them could answer that. Now again. I, I want to say none of them would be able to, but I'm, there's probably one on here watching right now that would send me a nasty email later, like, I knew the answer to that. So, but but for the most part, they don't know. How, how many active customers do you have? I don't know. So if you're going to set goals, and if it's around the size of the customer base, what you really have to focus on is first identifying the size of your customer base. So how do I identify how big of a customer base I have? It's a good target to aim for. Well, I'm going to tell you that um, you know, you want to be around, let's just use the number 10. Now, now uh, this number is very random, what I'm saying to you, okay? Because some companies are at 7 and 8, some are at 14. But look at, look at a range of like 10 orders per employee per month. Let's just, let's just pick that number, okay? Again, you might be, people watching this might be a little higher, might be a little lower, just, just use 10. And if you need 10 per employee, how many employees do you have? And that'll tell you how many orders you need, right? So if, so if an agency has seven employees, let's just say at 10, they need 70 orders. And, and if the average customer uh, sends two deals a month, you need 35 active agents, active customers in order to do that. This is stuff most people don't go through, right? Because they're looking at only orders. And then they say, well, now, now I'm to your question. How do I identify like how many customers I actually have? Uh, it's pretty easy. Go back to the last 90 days and look at the what we call unique sources of business or USBs. The, a USB is an individual that has sent your agency business um, intentionally. Okay, they're not on the other side of the deal. They actually open the transaction with you. And, and in that, you're going to have people that do all their business with you. You're going to have people that do some of their business with you. You're going to have the one-offs. But if you go back and you just look at the number of unique sources of business, and let's just narrow it down to one classification, a real estate agent. Maybe you're looking at just the real estate agent side of your business, or you're in North Carolina and maybe you're not, right? But, but whatever your primary uh, customer base is made up with, uh, go back 90 days and count how many of those individuals sent you business. So for example, if you have an agent that sent you 12 deals over the last three months, they count as one. If you have an agent that sent you three deals over the last three months, they count as one. They're one unique source of business. Now, what we typically do is break that into three categories, but that might be a little bit deep for today, but let me just give you, give you the 30,000 foot view, okay? Uh, you, you don't look at it as an 80-20, the Pareto principle, 80% of the business done by 20% of your customers. Look at it as a 20-60-20 
principle. And I don't know if you remember us talking about this years ago, Pete, but basically take the 80% and divide it into two categories. Top 20% of your customers, bottom 20% of your customers, middle 60% of your customers. And as you set goals, you set goals to acquire additional unique sources of business in each of those categories based on 20% of your new customers need to be top. 20% can be near, you know, regular onesie twosie people, but 60% need to fit that mainframe design of a customer, kind of that main customer. But when you go back and you count them, and people say, gosh, Darrell, this is this is too simple. Um, we can elaborate on this point all day long, but start by just going back 90 days and counting how many individual unique sources of business or customers or people, however you want to look at it, sent uh, your agency business. And that's your starting point. That's the size of your customer base. And if you take a look at the average, the size of your customer base, and then you look at how many orders your, your operation does monthly, what you can easily determine is how many orders you have, what, what the average size customer is that you have, right? Sure. And sure. then you go back to the 10 orders per person, and now you know how many more of those you're gonna need if you're short of 10 orders per person, right? So, yeah. so don't look at, if, if you need 70 orders and you have 60, don't look at it as needing 10 more orders. Look at it as needing three more customers. Uh, because you, you, the orders go up and down based on the market, and that is, again, a lagging indicator. Go go with a, a leading indicator and, and determine, set your goals based around the number of customers that you need to add to your business and not just the number of orders that you need to increase to get up to a certain point. Now, I might have answered more than one qu question um, in that answer, but I, I, they really go together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. That was terrific. That opened my eyes. So... That being the case, what are some successful strategies for getting new clients? If, if client new client acquisition is really the name of the game, help us with that. Hmm. Gosh, Pete, I don't know. <laughs> so let's let's look at um, in the pursuit of customers. Let's look at uh, two paths. Okay. In fact, I'm going to name them. Easier. There is no easy. Easier and difficult. Okay. Okay, like like easier that. and difficult. Let's talk about difficult. Uh, if you uh, decide you're going to pursue a bunch of people that don't do business with your company because the opportunity's there and they're doing business, it's possible, but that's the difficult path. A lot of cold calling, a lot of what I call ice calls, which I joke around about that. An ice call is like the coldest form of a cold call. And let's face it, let's talk about the what the title insurance industry is not, okay, or or how most people do not view it. They do not view it as a sales industry. They, they view it as a technical industry. So you start talking about pursuing customers in a cold fashion, mm -hmm. and, and we just lost 80% of the viewers today because, because they're not gonna do it. They're, right. they're not gonna get on the phone and start calling people that don't do business with them. But So let's look at the easier way, okay? The yes. easier way is more of a warm contact situation. And let, let me just put it to you this way. Um, if I'm gonna ask the group a question, and if two thirds, this is for you audience, if two thirds of all your customers plan to leave you, let, let's even narrow it down simpler. If half your customers plan to leave you as soon as they could, what would you do? Now, I wanna ponder that question for a minute, Pete, because people are thinking, well, if half my customers plan to leave me, I'd probably have to close my doors. Now you're looking at it in a traditional one-dimensional fashion. 
you have to first back up and you have to ask yourself what is the definition of a customer like let, let's say and, and and i'm gonna i'm gonna use walmart for example and i'm probably gonna get in trouble from Lindsay. i'm gonna get a nasty email don't use walmart's name corporate name on my webinars but let's say you don't like going to walmart i'm gonna guess there's at least three people watching of all the hundreds that are watching today that would prefer not to shop at walmart but it, but let's say you had to go to walmart because they're the only ones that had what you needed and so on your drive over to Walmart, you're dreading it. The whole thing is, I don't want to go, um, and and you're only picturing the bad aspects of it. And uh, you finally get there, you can't find a parking place. When you do, there's a shopping cart in it, uh, or somebody's walking in front of your car as you're driving through the parking lot. We've all seen it, right? They're wearing their, let's just say, Walmart pants, a pajama bottom, whatever. I'm, I'm in all kinds of trouble with Lindsay right now, but. Um, this is real stuff, right? And and we go into Walmart. We don't know her way around. Here she comes. She's back on. She's going to cut me off. Uh, she has the power to mute me, by the way, everybody. So, so far, I haven't gone too far over the Lindsay line. Uh, but, you know, it, not wanting to go there does not mean you were not a customer, does it? Right. Writing it does not mean you're not a customer. Um, having a bad experience does not mean you're not a customer. The fact that you're doing business together means you're a customer. So now you got to look at your files. And you have to look at both sides of the file. And let's just omit the lenders temporarily, okay? Because normally we'd pursue them for refi business, but negative on that right now, okay? So, uh, but you look at both sides of the file. And when I say half your customers plan to leave you, you most people watching right now only imagine the people that directed the business and half of those people, wrong. You're right, you're right. Half yep. your customers mean the other half don't plan to come back. They plan to leave you as soon as the file closes. So so the key is to create an experience for the other side of the transaction that would cause them to want to come back to you. Let me give you a few simple tips. How about thanking them for the business in the beginning? You could literally just call them up and say, thanks for the business. Now, don't say thanks for the escrow or the closing. They didn't send it. Don't say thanks for your business. They didn't give you their business in their eyes. But are y'all doing business together? Yes. Hey, thanks for the business. Ask them a few questions about their preferences. Give them a couple positive updates during the course of the file. When the file closes, ask them how you did and ask them if it's good enough to come back on one of their next three transactions. If an, if an agency just did that on every single file, right, let's just do the math, okay? Out of 100 files, and I'm only using that because I'm better at the metric system than, you know, by tens, it's easy to divide or whatever. That means let's just say that there's 50 people on the other side that came through. And half of them you don't want, okay? They don't do good business or or maybe they are the one hit wonder for the year. Uh, so let's say you got 25, okay? 25 per month coming through the backside. And let's just say that you tried really hard to fail, right? Tried really hard to fail and you were able to fail 90% of the time. Now at a 25 agent uh, pipeline of people on the other side of the deal, with a 90% recapture fail rate, You've generated 2.5 new customers a month. That's 30 customers a year. And if they each give you 10 deals, you've increased your order base by 300 deals a year for every month that you stay on the plan. I'm sorry, for each, not for every month, but but for by staying on the plan, you're growing at a rate of 300 orders a year. And that's at a 90% fail rate, 80% fail rate, 600 transactions at an 80 percent fill rate that's 60 accounts now back to the number of customers so you asked like you know ways to grow your business man let, let's just let's just look at it this way 
Never take the difficult path until you've mastered the easier path. Okay. And and, and you know, I know that there's people watching right now that like he went through that really fast. What did he say? I'm, I'm the two things I'm going to tell you. Number one, uh, if you want more information about how to implement some of these strategies, uh, get with your your Prop Logics account manager, like Pete, for example. Uh, get with your Pete. If if you work with Pete, then get with Pete. Okay. But if you work with someone else uh, in the organization, re reach out to them for more help in this area. And if and and I'm going to throw this out there. If you have questions for me when this is over, I don't, we didn't set this up, but I'm going to give you an email address real quick. It's just info, the word info, at DarylTurner.com, D-A-R-R-Y-L-T-O-R-N-E-R.com, info at DarylTurner.com. If you have questions that maybe that come up after, because I know we're going to answer questions at the end of this, you may have a thought in an hour, two hours, tonight. You may wake up in the middle of the night thinking about something. Um, just email that question. I'll be happy to help you uh, anywhere I can, because as simple as it can be, the industry still chooses some of the most difficult paths. Yes. Like, for example... Now, I'm, I'm not going to criticize anybody's plan because I think it's a good idea to call new listings. I do. Okay. As long as you're not letting any of the people on the other side of the deal slip away first, then you put your energy into that. But, but instead of doing some of the things we're talking about, a lot of people reach out and they're like trying to call every new listing and trying to get that. That is definitely on the more difficult side. And again, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying don't do it first. Master the capture rate inside your file and stop the half of your customers that are planning to leave, stop them from leaving and, and just close the door behind them. You know, nobody left behind in this deal. Just focus on that. How's that for an answer, Pete? Was that good enough? For you? That is such a powerful strategy to, to go after that quote unquote low hanging fruit. Those, those non-directing realtors on the other side of the transaction, they are forced to have an experience with your closing operation. And because of that experience, you can piggyback on that. I love that, Daryl. Thank you so much. That is powerful. Can I can I ask the, the you a, a rhetorical question here, Pete? Now, maybe the whole audience is so rhetorical, so it's not really for you. It's just to think about. But what would happen, agency owners and closers and salespeople that are watching right now? What would happen if you actually treated all participants in your transactions as if you actually wanted them to come back? Now, got to underline the word actually. Actually treated all participants. Wow. As if you actually wanted them to come back. Because here, here's the deal. You'll create an experience in every transaction, right? Whether you plan to or not, there's an experience created. And I'm going to give you the sad news of the title industry. 99% of the time, if not higher, the experience isn't good enough to cause the person on the other side to want to come back. If it was, they'd all be coming back. So you really have to think about that. And you could also go to any closer that you have in your operation and ask them to talk about five legacy customers that have really been good for them over the years. And they can easily come up with five people that have stayed with them. And then ask them how they got them. And Pete, what's amazing is about 80% of the time, they came in on the backside of a deal and stayed. So wow. the principle there, it's just, yeah. it's just capitalizing on the facts and the principles that are present uh, already. How, how do we package that and make that part of our daily routine? And again, I can, I can help anybody that wants to reach out to us directly. With more information, I know your team can too. We'll be right back. We know you love Title Talks, and did you know that PropLogix produces another show for real estate professionals like you? It's called Four Stories, and it's a weekly show where we share the four biggest stories in real estate that help professionals and lay people alike keep a pulse on what's going on in the industry. If you're interested, listen in by visiting proplogix.com 
forward slash four dash stories or searching for four stories by PropLogix wherever you listen to your podcasts. PropLogix brings you this podcast because we truly want to help. By providing products and services that allow you more time to work on your business rather than just in it. Whether it's title searches, commercial searches, HOA research, and a whole lot more, we take away repetitive and time-consuming work so you can focus on growing your title company. PropLogix. Take some of those closing to-dos off your list and put them on ours. If our closing agents are focusing on acquiring new customers, what should they be doing to retain their existing client base? Is it somewhat similar? Yeah, it's very similar. In fact, um, you have to keep in mind on a purchase transaction, let's just go with a purchase transaction with two realtors, okay? Those two agents are gonna talk to each other way more often than they're gonna talk to you. Fact. They're gonna talk to each other way more often than they're gonna talk to the title agency, okay? And the last thing you want your really good directing source of business to hear from the non-directing source of business that you're pursuing is that, hey, your title company called me and thanked me for that deal when we didn't call the directing source of business. So number one, number one, start thanking your directing clients intentionally. Thank them on every order. Don't let your automated email be the only thank you they get when they open an order. Pick up the phone and call them. Hey, thanks for the business. We really appreciate you. It'll go way farther than most people think. Here's the other thing. We refer to this as out-of-file communication. Now, this is a nugget for the viewers today, okay? Out-of-file communication is very simple. Have each closer make a list of 20 customers. 20 customers, okay? You can make it bigger than that, but not much. But 20 is a good number to start with. And once I share the principle with everybody, they'll get it and make whatever size list works best for you. And then have your closers each day look at the next person on the list. Not the whole list, just start with number one and ask yourself this question, are they in a deal right now? Because if you ask the closers, how often do you talk to your customers? They say, gosh, they're all the time. Here's my next question. How often do you talk to them when they're not in a deal with you? Hmm, leave that up to our marketers, leave that up to some. Let me tell you who you're leaving it up to. The salespeople for your competitor are talking to your customers when they're not in a deal with you, right? So out of file communication says, I look at line number one, Joe Smith. Is Joe in a deal with us? He is. Okay, so I'm already talking to Joe. I've already thanked him. Go to number two. Susie Smith. Ooh, she's not in a deal. Hey, Susie. Daryl at ABC Title. Listen, I just wanted to call and check on you, see how you're doing. How are things going? We miss you. We appreciate you. Out of file communication. In the call with this. Hey, before I let you go, Susie, let me ask you, what, what are you working on right now that I might be able to help you with? If every day we call one person on the list that's the next one down that's not in a transaction and we have 20, we will work our way through the list more often than once a month. And those are our top 20 customers. So really, if you think about it, Pete, pursuing the person on the other side, the, the warm contact, thanking and staying with the person that directed it and communicating with the normal, with the people who normally direct business to us when they're not directing business to us, just and by the way people like want to get all creative in their iphone and their computer i don't know take out a piece of paper and write down 20 customer names and take the paper and put it in your drawer take it out each day and look at it who's next on the list put a check mark whatever you need to do don't overcomplicate this people don't overcomplicate it keep it simple kill a tree get a piece of paper i love it i love it thank you for sharing that that's really a spectacular strategy out of file communication um 
I know we're, we're running a little short on time. Let's get to this last question because I think it's important. Uh, a lot of our clients um, have salespeople, but some of them don't. So the yeah. question is, should I be cross-training my, my closing staff uh, to focus on also to focus on increasing our customer bit. Now you talked you touched on that a little bit with the out of file communication, but is there is there something that's as far as cross training should be taking place to help them be part of that uh, sales team? Really? Yeah. What what a really really good question because I know there's more agencies out there across America, Pete, that do not have salespeople than those that do. So let's talk directly to that to that question. Um, it, here's a good question to ask a closer, and if you're a closer watching this right now, let me ask you this question. Do you have the ability as a closer to do something or say something that would cause a customer to leave? And of course, Pete, we know the answer is yes, right? So if if you're in a position that you can run off a customer, then you're also in an influential position to keep them. In other words, your behaviors, actions, and what you, you know, how you speak to them and how you interact with them helps them determine whether they stay or go. So let's look at the backside of the file. Same exact thing as present. So the interesting thing about your question is it goes back to what I was talking about a minute ago. The, the cool thing about following our sales process is it's all based around the principles of retention because the title industry is so darn good at customer retention. If you have a sales model that's different than those principles, most people won't follow it. But you take a look at what I said a few minutes ago, going to the other side of the file. All you're doing is acts of service that drive retention. So I look at capturing the backside of the file as hyper retention. Think about it that way, right? You're, get, you're wrapping your arms more deeply around your customer base once you fully realize who your customer base is or anybody in a transaction with you. So, so your inside staff at a bare minimum should be doing what I referred to a few minutes ago, really focusing on all parties in a transaction. In fact, um, I was in a meeting the other day and I'm gonna upset salespeople right now, but. I was in a meeting the other day and a salesperson came up to me as an escrow meeting, but there were salespeople there. And, um, and, and she said, who's more effective at, uh, at, at, at retaining and, and um, selling our services, escrow or sales? And, and for those of you that don't call it escrow, your closers or settlement agents, uh, uh, of course, all these people in the room and I look right at the rep and I said, well, escrow. And the look on her face was like, you know, like I slapped her mom. I mean, it's like, what? And I said, you're the second best person to sell them. Who, the best person to sell person is the one doing it, interacting with the customers. Because whether they realize it or not, they're selling themselves every time they have an interaction. So yes. you take your inside staff and say, let's capitalize on creating an experience that would cause people to want to come back. Look at the restaurant example, and I'll, I'll end with this. If you go in a restaurant and you have a really bad experience, you're upset. There's your emotion. You're walking to the car, Pete. You say to your wife, well, I don't want to come back here again. There's your decision. Experience, emotion, decision. You can have a great experience in a restaurant. You're happy. You feel really good about it. And as you get in the car, you say to your wife, we definitely need to come back here again. Experience, emotion, decision. That's how we make decisions. Experiences create emotions. Emotions create decisions. And by the way, a bad experience in a restaurant and a good experience in a restaurant rarely have anything to do with food. They might start with food. Something might go wrong or something might go really well, but the experience isn't based on the food. It's based on how they respond to what's going on and how they deal with us and how they make us feel, okay? So the escrow world is exactly the same. The title world is exactly the same. Everybody has an experience with your company in a transaction, which will create an emotion, which is the root of a decision, and the favorable decision will be made in their mind, and it's up to us to ask them to make it in our favor 
and manifest that with a transaction that we wouldn't have already had. And there you go. That was spectacular. So much shared. I need to review this. I'm going to go back through and uh, and look at the replay. Thank you, Daryl. That was spectacular. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Daryl. We have some questions already starting to come in. Um, Ooh, while, no, while I was going to say, so it's it's 1.30. We had originally planned, um, you know, for about half an hour. So if you have to hop off um, or if you want to stick around and get your question answered, we've got about 15 minutes more of Daryl's time and Pete's time as well. Um, but before we get into those questions, I just want to make sure before anyone anybody hops off, uh, Daryl, you have a conference, a yearly conference yes. where people can learn more about these sales strategies. We're offering a promo code to to people here today. So if you want to talk about it, just really quick, and then we'll get to your questions. Yeah, October uh, 26th, 27th, Reno, Nevada, the Atlantis Resort and Spa. We have uh, our event called Title Sales Mastery. It's 2022. We've named it this year Elite Retreat for for organizations to be able to take their teams uh, to a retreat specifically two days about how to build your customer base, from how to master social media uh, to learning about what the market is going to be doing. Everybody wants to know, but the question it, we shouldn't be asking about the market. We're going to tell you about it because it, 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 it's part of equipping you. We should always be looking at what we need to be doing, and that's Title Sales Mastery 2022. Yes, there's a promo code, PropLogics. They're going to put a C note back in your pocket. They are great people. <laughs> yeah. So oh, let me I, tell you uh, how to get there, I guess. It's well, DarylTrick.com. Yeah. Click on Mastery or just go to Title Sales Mastery 2022.com. Sorry about that. No, no worries. We we just put a link in the chat and we're also going to be sending out the replay for this so that you can go back and watch like Pete will with his notes furiously writing them, right? Uh, and um, and we're going to also send links for the uh, title sales mastery and where you can sign up. Let me just say okay. this too. We have a lot of people already signed up. If any of you viewers right now have already signed up and you did not get this, uh, reach out to us. We'll give you the same credit. Oh, oh that's very generous. That's very Thank, generous. You. Thank you. All right, let's hop into those questions. So, um, Lindsay, not me, Lindsay, uh, is asking, what if you're a smaller in a smaller market with not as many agents and lenders? What's the best way to figure out like how many files per employee per month? Oh, sorry. Then, no. I guess that's a two-parter question. Okay. So if you're in a smaller market with not as many agents and lenders, it really depends on um, your. That, that I just randomly use a number ten. Okay, uh, it really depends on your your average fee per file. If you're in a market, like you, you could be in a market where your average fee per file on a purchase transaction is $1,100. 10 is not gonna work for you. You need 14, okay? Uh, if you're in a market that your average fee per file, and there's plenty of markets around the country, five grand on a purchase transaction is the average fee per file, okay? Uh, then then you can get you know maybe seven, you, you're, you're okay with. So you really have to take that into consideration. The reason I use 10 is it's literally right in the middle of that range. Uh, but you still have to, no matter the size of your market, you still want to follow the principles of the formulas uh, to determine, you know, how many orders per person you really should have. And you can really look at it like what your cost of operations are per month and what your anticipated gross margin of profitability is and work backwards from there and figure out based on based on that revenue, how many transactions do you need, right? And where are you now and how, what, what's your headcount against that? And you can close the delta on that pretty easily once you know those numbers. And again, if this isn't a good enough answer, along with everybody that's watching, info at we'll be happy to help. What about offering sales training to realtors? 
Mm, mm. Uh, you should do everything with the intention of gaining business out of it. So the they're, the salespeople are predominantly, they're salespeople and they're not good ones. Ugh. Did he just say that out loud? Yeah, they didn't get into this business to be salespeople, but they have to be salespeople uh, to be able to win. So the, yeah, if you want to hold a class on that, as long as you're not violating RESPA, and I'm not going to be the guy to tell you to do that. Um, if you want to, if you want to offer content, you're going to need to charge for it in most cases so that you don't violate RESPA. Uh, but, but to be able to do that, that, look, your value in the marketplace is solely determined by the size of the problems you solve for your customers, period. And the, and the problem that all agents have right now is they don't know what to do. Okay. And so if you can come along and help them with what to do, uh, you're going to be ahead of the curve, but do everything asking for business and setting the stage. Like, you ever do a meeting, do a CE class, ask the audience when you start, hey, why do you suppose we do these classes? And they'll say, well, because you want to get our business. Is that an unreasonable thought? Because you're right. Is that fair? Sure it is. Great. In the end, I'm going to ask you for an order and have your class, okay? But that's almost never what takes place. You're just like, thanks for coming. Hope you like it. Bagels in the back. Let's go. Content. See you later. And it's like, man, that was great because everybody said they liked it. No, it's only great. If you can get $7 of revenue for every dollar you spent on doing an event, there's your ratio. It's an X factor of seven to one. So if an event costs you $1,000 and your average fee per file is $3,500, you need two orders from prospects as a result of that event, either at the event or within two weeks to call that event a success. There's your answer. How's that, Lindsay? Is that okay? That's perfect. Yeah. Oh, someone was asking, is there a virtual version of the title sales mastery? Yes, yes. If you sit in your car at the Reno location, <laughs> we will have someone FaceTime you from the inside. Oh, I just made an enemy. Actually, um, watch for a tag. We we refer to that as Title Sales Summit. We do not have one uh, on the books right now, but that's the virtual version. But Mastery is strictly an in-person event. The experience to be in a room with two days with people specifically looking to build their order count, customer count, and revenue of their title agency is like at least half the magic of going to the event. So sorry. And the FaceTime thing would probably apply. We could probably work that out if somebody's on the inside. <laughs> All right. I, I don't see any other questions coming in now. And so I'm going to thank you so much for your time and remind everyone that we're going to be sending out an email after this. You'll get a recording. You'll get all of the links. You'll get the code. You'll get contact information for Daryl. Um, actually, sorry, we did just see one one thing. Coming. Ooh, another one. Um, Let's see that. Uh, oh, actually, this is Robin, who you may may know, <laughs> Robin Cardella. Um, so when agents do classes for realtors, it's so important to do um, the follow-up afterward, especially uh, with an under when the underwriter is providing a speaker. It's really important to like do that follow-up. She's just echoing. Yes, and let me just give you a time frame on this, Robin. Uh, all event leads are dead in two weeks. All event leads are dead in two weeks. 90%, 80, 90% of your results will come if you effectively follow up within 72 hours. So really, really good point to make there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, someone wants to know if you offer coaching, which? That is our company, DarylTurnerCoaching.com. Or just go to Daryl Turner. Yes, uh, you can email me directly. I'll personally help get you set up with someone. But the answer to that question is yes, that is the majority of what we do with 6,600 reps so far to date across the country and 11,000 total people. That's what we do. Great question. I love that's my favorite question. <laughs> that's the best you, one. You know why so people fun. need a coach? Because your comfort zone will kill you. Okay. 
That's why they need a coach. Thanks for asking that question. Tell me who it was later, Lindsay, and we'll follow up with them directly. <laughs> okay, I'll definitely I just do that. Want to chime in that I saw Daryl's coaching have spectacular results with my clients when I was with the underwriter. And I always go back to people and let them know, listen, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, they all have a coach. Even though they become number one in their game, their sport, whatever the case may be, they still all have a coach. So coaching super important. I have three. I own a coaching company, a national coaching company, the title industry. I have three coaches. Good point, B. Yeah, you never stop learning. No. Okay. That's Thank you both so much, Pete and Daryl. We really appreciate you guys both being here and sharing your insight. It's it's really needed right now. I know a lot of people are are just kind of wondering what what the rest of the year will bring in this this kind of conversation about how you're going to grow your customer base is just, you know, couldn't be more timely really. Perfect. So, so um, yeah. Thank you both. Thank you Lindsay. Thank you Daryl. That was spectacular. Pete, Lindsay, thank you so much. And for those of you that uh, watched us on your fancy TV screens on your desk, thanks for joining us today. And I'm so honored to be part of your day and part of your business. If you're interested in attending Daryl's Title Sales Mastery Seminar in Reno in October, you can find a link in our show notes. All listeners can get $100 off their registration with the promo code PROPLOGIX. That's P-R-O-P-L-O-G-I-X. Thanks so much to Daryl and Pete. And as always, happy closings.